Good afternoon, church. Buona sifiwe. Praise the Lord. God is good. And all the time. And that is nature. Amen. Um, I, I, you know, on, on Sundays like this, um, we pray for God to give us a word for his people. Um, and uh, we have navigated such complex emotions this last week. Wouldn't you agree? And uh, you should have seen my wife and I, you know, uh, on the day the results were being announced, we were both a train wreck. You know what a train wreck is? And uh, I, I remember um, at one time when um, Chebukati walked in and, and he was heckled. Do you remember that time? And our hearts just sunk, you know? And, and if you've been old, if you were around uh, 207, 208, you know what that might mean. In fact, when I saw four commissioners in Serena and not in Bombers, you know, I just said, God, not this. Please hold our country. Do not let us go this way again. And for people who value peace, at that point, you don't really care how you voted. You just cry for your country, you know. And I pleaded with God. In fact, we couldn't watch when that happened. We switched off the television. We'd gone up country. You know, um, when serious things are happening, you, you go to a place where unenda kwa base, you know. And, and for us, when we are older, the base is nearer the soil, you know. And so we took a walk. And it's a large place, so we went and walked and prayed for this country. Um, I happen to be, have been one of those who were in the, in the peace caravan way back in 2007, 2008, when, when, when uh, Rift Valley was burning, and uh, that church that was burnt, I was there when it was smoldering. I, we actually, you know, so, so some of those images, I just was pleading with God, anything, Lord, do not let us go this way again, because it will take us back more than two decades, and it's just too expensive. So we didn't, we didn't see everything else that happened. And so uh, when we walked back, you know, uh, there was a picture of President-elect William Samoe Ruto. I don't want to share my emotions with you. <laughs> but let me share some beautiful emotions that I remember here. The Sunday before, some of you did not come. We invited you for a debate. Do you remember? It was such a powerful thing. Uda, uh, no, this was the group, the undecided were seated here. Azimio was in that corner and Uda was in this corner. And my goodness, did we have a debate. Intense, you know. And, uh, and, and, and one of the things that, that happened as people articulated uh, what it is that they believed in, um, I prayed that God would bring us to a place where we are not ashamed of what we stand for. That you can stand and say, I am voting as Mio or I'm voting Uda. Uh, actually, Wajakoya was on the corner here. Um, the people of Wajakoya. For real, I mean, this is... And by the way, among the people who really made sense was the, the, the person who was standing for Wajakoya. Some of you will remember. And you will be... Actually, a lot of the undecided people almost crossed over. Actually, I suspect they did. But it was a beautiful debate. Um... And I remember telling some of the young people here who are here in the Uda because then they had complete yellow, you know, as they stood. And one of the things I said, my goodness, I'm really, really impressed because they could really articulate what they believed in. 
you know, they stood here and I said, I wish you were the one standing. I would actually have chosen you. Because you believe in what you're saying. Um, and I said again, and I would say here, that this country will be built by people who stand for something and believe in it. It's one thing to articulate something. It's quite another to actually bring it to pass. And, and I, I told them uh, in moderation, um, I said, okay, I'll pray for you because I can see you really believe in what you're going to vote in, that your heart will not be broken. You know, because, if, because not everybody that you're going to, to elect um, actually intends to do the things that they, they say. But I pray that if your heart is ever broken because the promises were never delivered, that you will be one of those who will have the courage to say, you know what? Leadership is born out of crisis. And because I believe in the things I've said, I'm going to offer myself for election next time. And you know, the things that we have said, I am actually going to do them. Because this country will be changed by young people who believe in a vision and in a future and are willing to expend the energy and the resources to make it come to pass. So that you're not held hostage by ideals that are beautiful when somebody is articulating them, but then they, are, they don't have the will to actually bring it to pass. And I said, if you are ever disappointed, don't give up on politics. Don't become apathetic. Say, you know what? I'm going to be different. I will stand for what I believe in, and I will fight for it, and I'll ensure that um, it comes to pass. One of the things that we know, and uh, it's not a prophecy, um, we know that we knew before the polls that on the day that the polls are announced, at least half the country will erupt into celebration. And another half will descend into mourning. We knew that, right? So, so there's no breaking news here, right? And I do believe in this same sanctuary, we are actually have half the people who are celebrating and are rejoicing because they, are, they feel my vote counted, all right? We also have people who say, you know, I don't believe this is where we are at, that this is what happened. I've had occasion to consult with the Lord. <laughs> and and, and I, was not, I, was not, um, I was not Uda, I was Azimio, all right? Uh, so uh, again, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I hope you don't feel ashamed of what you stand for. Okay, and, and I must say, uh, of course, as an older person, having gone through a lot of elections, um, I don't stake that much, whether it's Uda or Azimio who really won. It's not like my hopes were really pegged on the politician that comes to power. But I have to make a choice, and that was my choice for that time. And being older, I voted conservative, etc. But it's very, very important um, for us to know this, that... When we prepared you for the election outcome, um, we said that one side will win, another will lose. It's very interesting that when it actually happens, many of us are not prepared to handle the emotions, especially of loss. Uh, no, even of winning, let's say that. All right? You find that the people who win are very ungracious. Very ungracious. They want to rub it in. You know. And you pull out every yellow thing you can find. You know. We are very ungracious. You know. 
please be gracious in your victory. Because to those who much is given, there, there is a place of responsibility, all right? And it's a very important place. Again, for those who lost, you know, you should mourn like those with a hope. Don't mourn like people without a hope. I'm, and I'm saying that as an as mere uh, person. I was looking forward to a Martha Karua, uh, you know, Baba combination. I was looking forward to it. Um, so you can't mourn like people without a hope. Pol politics comes and goes. And then, don't try to recruit God to your side. Please. God is non-partisan. He's an equal opportunity blesser and an equal opportunity punisher. And he doesn't care which side of the divide you are. Dhambi ni dhambi. Whether you, 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 you commit it in blue or in yellow. He doesn't care. Alright? So, God is non-partisan. And I mean this in the best possible way. And you want God to be non-partisan. What we do, uh, let me, what I did as, as a person who was supporting the other side, I knew that God has the freedom to do the unexpected. When you pray to God, this is Christian maturity, and you say, not my will, but yours be done. It's the most important prayer that you can ever pray. That's why it's embedded in the Lord's prayer. Thy will be done on earth. Not your will, not my will. True faith must come to a position where you trust God when you cannot understand the outcomes. If you can't do that, then God can't work with you. Even for his people, Israel, during the most important battle for taking of the promised land, God had already promised the, uh, given them the promised land. He had said, you know, I, I, I will swear by myself that you will inherit this land. And you know, he had told Abraham that. He had continued to tell Isaac the same thing. And this promise had been passed on to Jacob, who then got the name Israel. At the most important battle, the angel of the Lord appeared, sword in hand. And Joshua said to him, whose side are you on? Are you on the side of Israel or are you on the side of these Canaanite fellows? Whose side are you on? What did the angel say? Neither. I'm not, I don't take sides. You're my people. Even these Canaanite sinners are mine. Just like you are mine. But as commander of the armies of the Lord, I have come to do God's will. And God's will for that time was the extermination and the exiling of the Canaanite tribes and replacing them with the Israelites. And God had said, by the way, Israelites, rejoice for now. But remember this. If you behave like them, in the same way, I will come, I will treat you the same way. The land will vomit you out because of your sins. God is non-partisan. But he has an agenda to accomplish. And when he comes, he does his will. So, my advice to you, align yourself with the will of God. Discern which way God is moving and quickly go to that side. Because God never loses. There's no breaking news about Kenya. He already predetermined how things are going to work out. And his will 
will never fail. So we will watch the court process go through. And you don't have to prophesy. You, don't, you, you just have to wait for the results. Okay? Oh, watashindwa. Oh, watashinda. It's not necessary. Because it's humility to admit, I don't know. It's fine to say you don't know. Because, thank God, you are not him. You are not God. So you don't know everything. Alright? And let me tell you why that is important. There's a man by the name of Samuel. You all know him. Samuel was called as a little boy at a time when he could not even discern God's voice. He didn't know how God speaks. He had no clue. So he would hear Samuel, Samuel. He would wake up and go to his mentor, the priest, the high priest, Eli. Yes, here I am. You called me. Eli's like, no, I didn't. You go back to sleep. He goes back to sleep three times. Then Eli clicked. God is talking to this young man. Okay, next time he calls, go before him, the Ark of the Covenant, and say, here I am, Lord. Your servant is listening. So, he connected with God even as a child. One day, God is unhappy with the king, King Saul, and he says, I have rejected you as king over Israel because you've not followed my decrees, etc., etc. And God does that. So I've appointed for myself another king. He calls someone. Someone, come here. How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected it? Now arise and go to the house of Jesse because I have already appointed somebody else who will do my will. Someone in obedience. He goes. He knows where he's been sent. To the house of someone, of Jesse. In the house of Jesse, an elegant young man stands before him, called by his father. What does someone say? Surely, surely, the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Does God agree? What does God say? Lest we misquote someone. <laughs> Let me help you. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. You know he could have said he's not the one. He doesn't have to say, I've rejected him. <laughs> have you ever been said you have been told that you've been rejected? It does things on your self-esteem. Rejected. In Samuel's assessment, a man of God, and, and he was such a man of God, the Bible says that, and the Lord never let any of Samuel's words fall to the ground, meaning everything that Samuel said came to pass. And he judged Israel. He was the last judge. Amazing man. Connected with God like this. On this occasion, he was 100% wrong. He looked at Eliab and he said, ah, the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. So he, he was going to anoint him. God says, not only is he not the one, I have rejected him. Here? Yeah? Okay. 
Reasons? Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And you and I have not been given access to the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen this. Seven. Those are many, my friends. For a man of God. To get it wrong seven times? This is one person spoiling seven ballots. Unaribu tu. Unachagua kichwa. Mkono. How now? So I'm saying this to you. It's okay to say, I don't know. Because really, you don't. Ultimately, God knows. And we said here in preparing you, the horse is made ready for battle. But victory lies with who? With the Lord. You see, God did not tell Samuel, go and choose a leader. He says, go to the household of Jesse and anoint for me the one I will choose. We went to the ballot. Maybe we thought we were choosing the leader. But in our casting the ballot, once we did our part, it was the sovereign will of God to come and make a choice. And he's a God who makes no mistakes. If I think there has been a mistake, it's up to me to align myself with the will of God. Right? Do you agree? This is a useful principle. Okay? Because there are many times you go before God asking for something and he will say, reject it. Don't start having personal issues. You know? Just understand that God, one of his qualities is that he's omniscient, all-knowing. He has comprehensive knowledge about everything because he has been everywhere at all times. Do you understand that? It, it, it's amazing. And so when he makes a choice, it cannot be wrong. It cannot be. So, we design God's movement and align ourselves with what God is doing, whether we like it or not, or whether we agree with him or we don't. Because God is never wrong. And he has other purposes that he's accomplished or he's accomplishing that he has not made us private to. Because he doesn't consult us when he wants to do things. He makes decisions. And so God is not limited about who he can use. One of the most powerful events in history is the rebuilding of the temple of God. He doesn't use a Jewish king. He doesn't use a king who knows him. He goes to a man by the name of Cyrus and he calls him my anointed one. And he says, build for me a temple. And the very first chapter of the book of Ezra is Cyrus issuing a decree saying all the people 
who are called by this God, who has made me powerful and given me all the kingdoms of the earth, arise and go back to Jerusalem and build a temple for your God. Here he is. And he... So the book of Ezra, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. So he's not just speaking, he's going to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord... The God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. So he acknowledges where his authority and power comes from. Even though he's a pagan king. And he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Then he says, any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel. The God who is in Jerusalem and may their God be with them. That decree is issued. And it comes to pass. In fact, he gives instructions for silver and gold to be made available to all the people of God who are going to be enjoined in the task of building that temple. We can't put God in a box and assume that he can only use so-and-so or a person in this party or a person from that part of the country. That is not God. He has freedom. And what he decrees is what shall come to pass. So then, in way of celebration, because I am determined to celebrate, you should too be determined to celebrate. Celebrate what God has done. You must celebrate our wins. And our biggest win, we prayed about it here, is that we have a peaceful country. You don't know what happens when you leave a lacuna, a vacuum? If Chebukati had not announced a president-elect on that night, that this country would be very different now. I doubt that we'll be gathered here for worship. Because nature abhors a vacuum. And if you create enough doubt about direction and leadership, then chaos and mayhem is what is going to ensue. And so I celebrate the peace in this country. I celebrate some of the clips that I have been seeing, whether it's from Mombasa or Kondele or wherever. As young people who have been misused in terms of violence and other things are saying, unajua sasa sisi sote ni wa Kenya. Sio kila mara tukifanya nini tunaenda tunaanza kupigana. Wacha koti koti ya mwe you know, and, and there's, a, there's an intentional patience, even among young people, to say, um, let's take the right course this time round. And I celebrate that. I don't want to live in a country where security is not ensured, or where we are afraid, or where we start so easily ethnic profiling of each other. That's a dangerous and abhorrible thing. And we have witnessed it in this country many times. We have some wins. Let's celebrate the fact that there is a court process ongoing. And that the, the courts 
I think we will see another milestone in our jurisprudence because the courts are no longer afraid to pronounce themselves. They will look at the evidence and I don't think anybody will gag them about what is the truth and they will pronounce that with boldness. But we are not in a vacuum. The jurisprudence will go on, the court process will go on, uh, our MPs and other members of parliament are being oriented into what it means to be in, in, in the National Assembly. And so the country is ongoing. We are not under siege. And to me, that's a very big celebration. And I thank God for that. I thank God that even though things did not go the way I anticipated, that somehow God's sovereign hand, superintending over the affairs of this nation, which he loves, has seen that we have a leader. And somehow, as events play out, his sovereign will for my country will prevail. I may not understand God, but I can trust his heart. And that what he's doing is what will be right for this nation. I choose to celebrate those who are victorious. Because they are happy and they are also Kenyans. And as I see young people, from where I stand, as I see so many young people happy, I think that collective goodness and that collective happiness can even raise our GDP. There are so many people being happy. I like that. They are Kenyans. They chose and they are happy. At least part of the country is joyful. I choose that and I say it is a choice because despondence is the other alternative to go to my corner and sulk. And when I do that, every time they smile, I'm going to hate them. Some of you are already doing that. And you're doing it on social media. Let me say this. If you are insulting somebody on social media, whether because you lost or you won, if you are pouring out vitriol and negativity and ethnic profiling, that is neither Christian nor patriotic. If you love your country, you will not do those things. There are times when, if you have nothing useful to say, just be silent. It's okay to be quiet. All right? And let God deal with your emotions. God knows your disappointment. I mean, when, when these guys... Listen. Eliab is standing here, waiting to be anointed king. He's told, rejected. He's not smiling. He's angry. And then of all people... This young fellow, David, his youngest brother, comes in smelling like sheep and goat. <laughs> and the Lord says, he is the one, arise and anoint him. Don't you think there were issues there? They were not happy. But you have to manage your emotions. You remember the Cain and Abel story? God told Cain, why are you angry? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you don't, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. There's a time to master our emotions, especially when they are very strong on political leanings. And know this, it's not the politics that will save you. It's not their political alignment that will say, you know, I have not gotten to where I am by political alignments. I've gotten here by waking up every day 
and doing my duty before God, my family, and my country with all sincerity. I cannot say in all my life there is a political leaning that I have had that I have benefited from. The times that I have ever met the president or the deputy president has always been in the context of thus says the Lord. They never even offered me a cup of tea. But I sat with them and we spoke. And their political leanings and their lineage, I have never benefited from any of them. And so, good people, I want us to call back, to call us back to what Canon was telling us. In, in all the dramatic dynamics of politics, let's not forget the very simple thing that he told us, our family manifestos. Those matter. They matter to you, they matter to me. And they will make a difference in terms of who you become tomorrow. It's easy if you lose in an election like my people have to adopt a siege mentality. You know what a siege mentality is? You are under siege. In fact, you feel like you've been exiled from your own country. And instead of waking up and, you know, kujipa moyo, encouraging yourself in the Lord and going on and doing what you do, you can live in anger and in bitterness. And I guarantee you it's absolutely unnecessary. Neither is it God's plan for you. Let me tell you what God's plan for you is. We are all familiar with the book of Jeremiah. And in the book of Jeremiah, God sent his people to exile. And when he sent them to exile, it is not to end their lives. It's not because he hates them. But there was a bigger agenda that God was doing that had to come to pass. Because sometimes we only think it's about us. But God has things he's doing with this country. And he has not told us everything. In Jeremiah 29, from verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. God takes responsibility for taking his people to exile. And that's a beautiful thing about God. I'm unhappy about his choice. He takes responsibility. If indeed the courts pronounce themselves and they say that you know, there's nothing um, substantial to overturn the verdict of what has been, been whatever, God will take responsibility and say, I put Uda in power. I'm the one who did that. So if I have beef with him, I can go to God. I said, why did you do this? I had a better idea, God. But you didn't consult me. So God takes responsibility. I took you into exile in Babylon. In the days of the Exodus, he told them, I caused you to hunger. I withdrew food from you. And then I fed you with food that you did not know. So that you can know that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So I will pronounce myself as God. So God takes responsibility. He doesn't hide in the shadows. 
and he doesn't say oh unajua ni bahati mbaya huyu mtu sijua liponyoka aje there is nothing like that everything is pre-planned by god and i want you to hear this for a good reason and that reason if you align yourself with the purposes of god it turns out good and a blessing for you believe it or not This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Listen, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. We will be here for a while. That's what he's telling them. In exile. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I carried you into exile. He continues to take responsibility. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. What is he saying? He says, I, have, I know you are not in your land. I carried you from Jerusalem. That's where my temple is. You're in Babylon. There are no temples there. There are pagan temples. That's my doing. But he says this, don't put your life on hold build houses settle in them plant vineyards life continues marry have children they will grow up give them away your daughters in marriage and your sons let them marry do not decrease but increase in other words you're in exile but my hand is on you to bless you Though it's a pagan city, pray for its prosperity and its peace. Because you cannot prosper in chaos. Pray for its prosperity and pray for its peace. Because if it prospers, you will do what? So my agenda for you, God is saying, has not stopped has not failed because of a political alignment or rise of one king and the fall of another. My purposes are beyond those two individuals. My eyes are on you. You remain faithful to me and I will be faithful to you regardless of the land to which I have sent you. It's not where you are, it's who is with you. And if you get that, then you will have reason to celebrate. You just have to discern, this is God's will, this is his purpose, I don't understand it, I may not even agree with it, but you know what? I choose to celebrate what God has done. Because his purpose for our nation, for our families, for our faith, for the church, his purposes are good. And we can trust his heart even when we don't understand his mind. In any case, his ways are way beyond our ways and they are not like ours. 
If he acted like us, he would be one of us. But he's not. So understand this. And do not adapt a siege mentality. I'm speaking more to my people here. You understand? Because those who are victorious don't need encouragement. Right? So don't put your plans on hold. God has good plans for you. For your business, for your family, for your career. If you are going for further studies, go ahead. If you are going to get married, do it. Whatever you had planned, God is saying, don't put it on hold. Finish your building project. If it's your house, settle down. Whatever it is that you have planned, God's hand will be with you if you align yourself to the purposes of God. I wish God were easier to explain, but he is not. Then he gives a warning. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. For Israel, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. This one you can all say by heart, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now you know the context in which it is spoken. It is to a people who have lost hope and who think because they are in exile, God has abandoned them. And God is saying, that's not my nature. The fact that you were unfaithful doesn't mean that I will not be faithful to you. I already chose you. I already appointed you to be my people. And I will not leave you even in places of exile. But there is decreed a time which God himself appoints. And when that time is completed, I will come back and fulfill the promises that I have for you, says the Lord. Walking with the Lord is not easy. And praying that prayer, yet not my will but yours, be done. But it is the right thing to do. And when you obey God, I have never seen God punish anyone obeying him. I've only seen blessings. And here, he gives us those promises. And I don't know what your dreams are, but I'm completely confident that the dreams for which we voted, I voted that we would have security in our country, I voted that we would have integrity in our country, that we would have equity and even prosperity in days to come. And I believe with all my heart that God is able to accomplish these things. In fact, exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can pray or ask for. He may not use the means that I thought he would, but he is God. He's not confined into a box to only use a person or a party or a system. He can discard and bypass all those. And he can still accomplish the purpose and the will that he has brought us here to enjoy. When I watch some of those clips in the news, 
They showed a George Nene, 22-year-old student from Elementaita, riding on a borrowed donkey. Did you see that? And he romped into victory and is now the MCA for Elementaita. Couldn't raise the money to do anything. Or a Timothy Mutweri, he's a Mtuamjengo, the original KYM. For real, he wakes up to do manual labor for construction sites in a place called Keigoi Antobuchu. Somebody talk to the Merus. I don't know why you have such names. <laughs> Keigoi Antobuchu ward. He's now an MCA in Igembe, in Meru. Kawera Mwangaza, governor, having trounced Kiraito Murungi. They say she was a former house help, now governor of Meru. God is not limited in terms of what he can do. And if you and I would align ourselves to his purposes, you would be amazed at the things that can be achieved in our nation. Our dreams of justice, equity, security, integrity, prosperity, you don't have to discard those just because a different regime has come into power, the one that you did not expect. Let God be God and depend on him. Amen? Amen. Let me finish with the words of Isaiah. Isaiah is a place I go to seek for encouragement. You wonder how I come up with those so many texts? It's because I was trying to encourage myself. <laughs> and I hope that I've shared my encouragement with you as I align myself with God. Listen to this. And God sometimes can make things out of their opposites. And, and, and having said this, we, we must hold the regime that comes to power. We must hold them accountable to fulfill the promises of their manifesto. So don't let it stop at triumph. We are victorious. There were real promises made. Many of those promises have to do with you young people. Many of the young people who are jobless and, you know, sometimes even purposeless. And the bottoms-up approach, if that's what prevails, was supposed to lift those who are under there to bring them into a place of economic empowerment, a place where they can generate income and become, you know, purposeful and useful members of our society. So it's our responsibility to hold our leaders to account, to deliver on the promises. Those were not just campaign promises. We want to see them implemented. And the manifestos were elaborate. And so let's not just stop at the rhetoric that we have won. Let us go further and ensure that they live up to their responsibility. But God says this, sing, O barren woman. Usually a barren woman has nothing to sing about. But God makes things out of their opposites. From the darkest Good Friday, he makes out Easter Mondays. From a place of bleeding and, and defeat and death, he brings joy and victory and triumph. Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. So God understands those who are desolate and despondent and who are on the margins of life and who are oppressed. And he comes to lift up our countenance. Enlarge the place of your tent, says the Lord. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. 
They are crying here, but God is talking about the future. And he's saying, you guys have a future. I know the plans I have for you. And your children will do amazing things in days to come. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. It's amazing how the cloud of shame limits our ability to rise up and do what we are called to do. And if you have any feelings of shame, you should discard them. What you did, you did with your heart, with your mind, with your conscience because you believed in it. There's nothing to be shamed, ashamed about. So never feel ashamed that, oh, you know, the side I chose did not win. It's just a contest. You did what was right in your eyes. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger I hid my face from you, you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. To me, this is like the days of Noah, who I, uh, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Oh, afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comforted. I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with sapphires. I will make your battlements of rubies, your gates of sparkling jewels, and all your walls of precious stones. All your sons will be taught by the Lord, and great will be your children's peace. In righteousness you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. See, it is I who created the blacksmith. I said God takes responsibility. Hear these words. It is I who created the blacksmith, who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it is I who created the destroyer to work havoc. No weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their vindication is from me, says the Lord. May the Lord comfort you with his words. And may you know that the outcomes of elections are in the grip and in the hands and in the control of a mighty and a sovereign God who is committed to you and to your family and to this church and to this nation and is waiting for men and women who will commit to him whether at home or in exile to bless them and to prosper them and to give them a future and a hope in Jesus name Amen God bless you.